You are Locked On Jets, your daily podcast on the New York Jets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Jets on this Monday, October 30th, 2017. Thanks for joining us today. I am John B. from gangreennation.com. If you enjoy this show, please subscribe to it. iTunes and Spotify are your best options, and please give it a good iTunes review. And while you're doing that, leave your Twitter handle in there to be entered into a drawing for a free subscription to Pro Football Focus, all their grades and stats. Well, I think the weather yesterday kind of reflects the mood of a fan base. The Jets lost to the Atlanta Falcons 25-20. It is their third straight loss. They finished the first half of the 2017 season with a 3-5 record. And this team that you really had good feelings about three weeks ago now seems to be in free fall. It seems like this team might actually reach the low expectations people had for it at the start of the year. And it's like I said last week, you have to be careful because one loss could turn into a slide very quickly in this league. And the Jets are in danger of having their season wiped out if they don't get things straightened out soon. It's another. It's a third straight loss in a winnable game. Now, I think the game two weeks ago against New England, people keep saying, well, the Jets blew 14 points leads to Miami and New England. I would not categorize those the same way. Uh, we know that a 14 nothing lead against New England is not a 14 nothing lead against pretty much any t- team, any other team in the league. The Pats are a special case. 14 nothing with them. They're still in the game. You know they're not going to get run out of the building. You know they're going to put up a good fight. We, I mean, we've seen it. the Super Bowl. They're down 25 points in the third quarter. quarter they're not out of a game. So early 14 nothing deficit. That's losing to them. That's not your typical blown 14-point lead. Now, last week's game against Miami, blowing that 14-0 lead, that's a bad loss. And Sunday's game against Atlanta, again, bad loss. Winnable game. And I understand that this team did not come in with big expectations this year, but the fact of the matter is, in the NFL, you're going to have a lot of winnable games in front of you, no matter how good or how bad your team is. There are a lot of close games in the NFL. And... When you let a winnable game slip through your fingers, I don't care what your expectations are. I don't care if you go in thinking we're going to be a bad team. you got to be upset with it. And that's the case for the Jets today. And they don't have much time to turn it around either because they have a Thursday night game against the Buffalo Bills this week. Now, this was a kind of an odd game. I think the weather certainly played a role in it. Some of the key plays were definitely determined by the weather. Um, And some of them were negative for the Jets. You know, a couple missed field goals, Chandler Cantazero. There was one bad exchange between Wesley Johnson and Josh McCown. Jeremy Curley with a key muffed punt uh, puts the ball on the ground. Falcons recovered off a punt late in the game, led to an Atlanta field goal. So plenty of bad plays, partially caused by the weather, it seems. And, I mean, you can't let these guys totally off the hook. I mean, they have to get a little criticism for those plays, I think. Because at the end of the day, they're out there, they're getting paid to do the job, no matter the conditions, but at the same time, not the normal level of criticism I think you'd, they'd normally get, because it's one thing, see, I think it, you could criticize them more loudly if the Jets were the only team that was having issues with the weather. You know, if there's only one team that's struggling, and you could say, hey, you know, what's going on there? I think the fact that both teams were struggling with the weather kind of gives those guys more leeway than they would otherwise have. And again, I can't give you a total pass for it because it's your job to go out there and succeed, job to go out there and perform. 
But at the same time, you do have to take into account that, I mean, Atlanta's got a four-time Pro Bowl center, Alex Mack, and the reigning MVP of the league, Matt Ryan, and they couldn't execute a basic center quarterback exchange in this weather. So it was not easy to execute out there given the condition. So that certainly played a role in the defeat. I think that ultimately, though, it's a very simple story. And I, I just go back to one play, and it was the touchdown Atlanta scored to take the lead. And I've gone back and watched it a couple times, and it was just an incredible play by Matt Ryan. I mean, it was the play was not blocked well. It was not a great play call given the defense the Jets were running. The receivers weren't really open, and Ryan just made it happen. He stepped up. He kind of baited the defender, got him out of his throwing lane, and uh, got a, got another defender out of his way by being mobile. It was just a really great play, and it just reminds you how important the quarterback position is in, the, in this league, and that's what it came down to. I think ultimately I think back to that play, and I think back to some of the plays the Jets did not hit. Falcons have a quarterback who can carry the team on his back, and the Jets don't. And I understand, look, if you have put a quarterback – on a team with nobody, no other good players, the team's probably not going to be very good. That's not the debate. Every quarterback's better when he has good protection, when he has receivers running good routes, good play calling. Every quarterback's going to be better with his surroundings, or better, with better surroundings. But when everything breaks down, players are still able to make plays. And I don't know, you, you need a certain number of quality plays to win a game. You need a certain number of successful plays. I don't know what that number is. Is it 25? Is it a 20? I don't know. I, you know. I couldn't give you an exact answer. But a quarterback can make more of those successful plays you need to win a game on his own than anybody at any other position. You know, if everybody else around the wide receiver is not doing his job, yeah, he'll make a play here or there. Maybe he'll take a screen and take it a long way. Maybe he'll make a leaping catch on a bad throw. But there's all, but you can't make it at the same rate a quarterback can. And you know, if you ever if you watch the Houston Texans this year, you can see that for yourself. Because I know Tom Savage did not play much, but just compare that half Tom Savage played week one. And look at what Deshaun Watson's doing now. Look how infrequently Deshaun Watson has good protection. He's always running around because his protection stinks. He's just out there making plays. He's lifting that team up. And the Jets just don't have that right now. And it's, you know, Josh McCown actually played an okay game. Again, I mean, he's 38, I keep calling him a 38-year-old rookie because he just makes so many killer plays in big spots, taking two sacks that you can't take, putting the ball on the ground. And then the last drive, when he's checking it down, you got 80 yards to go in a minute, Josh. You got to try and push the ball down the field there. And it's like last week, this is a situation where he needs to check it down, where it's not not time to be risky. He's trying to push the ball down the field, throws an interception, but not a bad performance by Josh McCown. It's not a knock on McCown, and um, it's just more what the Jets have right now. They don't have whether it's the veteran guy, whether it's the young guys. I don't. They don't have a guy who can carry the team on his back the way Atlanta does. And that, again, that play just sticks out to me because it shows you the importance of the quarterback position in this league, where nothing else is going right. It's the play, throw, go-ahead touchdown in the second half. That's what, in that those are the types of plays that separate, in many cases, the good teams from the bad teams. Because again, bad teams and good teams, they both play a lot of tight games. Even in even games, bad team versus good team, even when there seems to be a talent mismatch, they there are a lot of tight games in this league, and frequently they come down to a few plays. And when you got a quarterback who can make those few plays, it just makes everything different. And 
Jets have, and it's just, it's more really a thought for the future. It's a thought for next year's draft for going forward because the Jets need to find that quarterback if they are going to win games like this. Now, I, I think there are two other position groups that kind of stuck out to me in this game, um, and both in a somewhat negative way for the Jets. Um, the offensive line, I thought, really struggled quite a bit. Now, those McCown sacks, McCown can't take those sacks in those positions, but the only reason he was in those positions to take those sacks was because the offensive line got beaten. I thought it was a really rough game for almost everybody there. Beecham did not have a strong game, I didn't think. Carpenter had his issues. Quali, I know Quali's not a starter, but I'm I, not even sure Quali belongs on a roster in this league. I think he's struggling quite a bit. Wesley Johnson's been a weak link all year. Now, I'm not going to throw Wesley Johnson under the bus for this game, but the season Wesley Johnson's having... And you, when you square it with the struggles this offensive line is having, it just reminds me of so many other Jets seasons recently. And if you follow this team, you know that one weak link on the offensive line can destroy the entire line. And you've seen Jets seasons where it's happened. You know, do you think six years ago, 2011, Wayne Hunter, right tackle? They really strong. I mean, that was a team that was known for its offensive line the year before 2010. One change, Damian Woody to Wayne Hunter, and suddenly the, the line just wasn't that strong. Go back 10 years ago, Jets had that contract dispute with Pete Kendall, end up trading him to Washington in preseason. It's over, I think, a million dollars or so. Kendall wanted a million dollars. Adrian Clark, who's a journeyman that got off the scrap heap, goes in and really just ugly performance, ugly performance that year. And the offensive line went from a strength in 2006 to a weakness in 2007. And Adrian Clark had a lot to do with that. And it's even, it's crazy to remember, that's the Brickshaw Ferguson second season. And Clark was so bad that it was impacting Ferguson and people were, I mean, it's crazy to think this now, but people were saying it. People were calling Ferguson a bust because Clark was such a uh, bad performer on that offensive line and just spilled over to other people. And I think you're kind of getting that same thing with Wesley Johnson this year, where at the center position, the Jets are really weak and it's kind of carrying over to the line play. And today was a day where nobody, I'm sorry, yesterday was a day nobody played well. And I'll give you the other stat of the day. When I'm talking about the key sacks, the sacks and key moments, Jets ran the ball 22 times in this game. Seven of those 22 went for either zero yards or negative yardage. That's seven out of, that's almost one third. And it's always tricky to judge the run, the success of the run game. How much is due to the backs? How much is due to the blocking? When it's good or bad, when it's going well, how much is it because the, the uh, line is dominating the point of attack, opening big holes? How much is because the back's making things happen? And the same thing goes when the offensive line is struggling. But I can tell you this, when you have that many carries going for zero yards or negative yardage, well, that's a sign that the back is getting contacted in the backfield. So that's on the offensive line, and it just shows you, I mean, that tells you a lot about the offensive line struggles. And then you got the cornerback position, which is just really banged up. And, I mean, they had a guy that you guys know. I mean, I do this podcast. I write quite a bit about the Jets. I, I, mean, I like to think that I'm in the know when it comes to this football team. I'm looking out there early in this game yesterday. I'm like, who the heck is number 30? I, I don't know who that is. And, I mean, that, that never happens. Like, I know this roster pretty well. I know the starters. I'm looking out there. I'm like, who the heck is this guy? I, I don't know who this is, number 30. And it's Robert Nelson who's who had some struggles in this game. And he actually was in the mix. He mixed things up. He, had, he made a few plays, but he also had some struggles. He was on the business end of some plays Atlanta made. And he was in there because Buster Screen was hurt. And then late in the second half, 
Morris Claiborne goes out of the game, and that's a shame because Claiborne was doing an excellent job on Julio Jones. He really was. It was Claiborne's best game as a Jet so far this year, and Jones couldn't get anything off him. And if you were watching, you noticed that the Falcons started kind of moving Jones around, trying to avoid the Claiborne matchup to get Julio more involved. And then Claiborne goes out, and um, Justin Burris goes in. And, of course, with Claiborne, one of the big question marks is injuries. Can he stay healthy? So he's dealing with a foot injury. We might know more today about that. We don't really know much at the time of the recording of this podcast. So knock on wood from a Jets perspective. And Claiborne's a guy on a one-year deal. So there are a couple of things you're factoring if you're going to pursue him for a bigger deal this offseason. One of them is quality of play, which has been pretty good. I think he's been worth the $5 million easily. But another thing is can he stay healthy? And that's an issue. It's becoming an issue. And into the lineup goes Justin Burris, who promptly misses a tackle. I think he had three missed tackles in this game that I saw. Uh, promptly misses a tackle on a big Atlanta run that was, ended up being relatively important on a big drive. And I know, look, I, I mean, the cornerback position is a cover position, but Burris whiffing on a tackle. Burris has just had a really rough year. And the fact that he was not in the lineup over my man, number 30, uh, <laughs> but the fact that the fourth round pick from a year ago wasn't even going in after Buster Screen was hurt was indicative of how disappointing of a year Justin Burris is having. And look, it, it happens. I mean, he's a fourth round pick. You're not going to hit on all of your mid-rounders. You're not going to hit on all of your fourth round picks. There are obviously issues with their game. When they go, that's why they go in the fourth round. It's why they don't go in the first round. But I think Burris is clearly having a disappointing year. And then a big third down play, Atlanta knew how to get Nelson one-on-one. They knew how to get the matchup they wanted one-on-one. Um, and they picked on Nelson to pick up a big first down. So, you know, the cornerback spot, I think part of the story of this game is just, you know, sometimes you have bad injury luck. And one of the things former Jets coach Rex Ryan once said, and I think he's absolutely right, he said that on there are two positions that lose you a game faster than any other positions in this league due to a lack of quality. One is quarterback on the offensive side of the ball, and one is cornerback on the defensive side of the ball. And I don't know how great this group of corners was to begin with, but now that you're banged up, now that you're getting into the backups, the, you're going deep into the depth chart, you do have some problems here. Now, as far as positive goes, I'm going to mention two positives from this game. And one was Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson went over 100 yards for the first time all year in this game. Really nice game. Six catches, had a touchdown, got open on it, got separation on that touchdown. Later in the game, made a really nice play, nice grab. In tra- I don't know if it was in traffic, but it was the guy covering him. He didn't get great separation. Josh McCown made a great throw, and Anderson made a great catch on his end. And then, you know, had a nice run after a catch. So good job by Anderson. And, you know, as I've been saying with Anderson, one of the issues with him is that he's a guy who, at this point, I think probably profiles more of a complementary part than a starting-level player. But because he only l- runs limited routes... You know, he successfully he can only run limited routes successfully. But the, the when he when he does run those routes successfully, they make a big splash. They make a big impact. So Anderson has this type these types of games. Now we want to see more consistency from Anderson, and that's going to require him diversifying the types of routes he can run. So we'll have to see whether he can do that. I mean, Anderson's probably not going to keep putting up these big numbers unless we see some changes from him. He's not going to be able to do this every game, but the, when he does hit, it's usually pretty big. And the second guy I'd like to talk about is Muhammad Wilkerson, who the last two weeks is slowly starting to look like Muhammad Wilkerson again, which is an exciting development for this defense. Again, I don't, I don't want to go crazy over two weeks because, again, we got a year and a half of 
real struggles with Mo, but you're at least starting to see a little bit of light here. So now can he continue that into Buffalo? And he's, you know, we know he's playing banged up. He hasn't practiced in, I think, three weeks or so. We'll see whether he can continue this level of play, but it is encouraging because he's starting to look like Muhammad Wilkerson again. He's starting to win his assignments, and he actually, the Jets are finally on the board. The defensive line finally on the board for sacks, a sack Wilkerson got in this game. So the Jets took him eight games, but their defensive line finally has a sack uh, thanks to Wilkerson. So that's a good development for this team. But overall, a rough day for the Jets. And again, like I said, as I said at the top of the show, I understand you don't have expectations for this team, but when there's a winnable game there and they don't win it, that's disappointing. And, you know, you talk about learning experiences. Well, the most important experience is learning how to win. And that's the type of game you want to see the Jets win. It's the type of game you want to see them close. They were leading for, for, well, you know, I mean, they're leading a lot of this game. And to not be able to pull it out at the end, I think it's disappointing. And now you're at a crossroads right here, three and five, and you lose to go to three and six, and... This season is going to take on a drastically different tone. That's all I have to say for today. Thanks for tuning in. This has been the Locked On Jets podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe to the show. Your options include iTunes and Audio Boom, and please give the show a good rating. Until Tuesday, hope your Monday is excellent. I hope we have better weather. Take care, everybody.